right, welcome back to the big program just after 9 o'clock in the City of Champions. And that means on a Wednesday, we welcome in our co-host, uh, David Schlemko, to Sports 1440. Morning, Dave. How are you? Morning, Kev. Doing well, thanks. Good week for you? Yeah, it was good. Oh, awesome. And, uh, of course, David Schlemko is uh, brought to you and powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years, cougarcollision.com. So, uh had a chance to watch the game last night, and what'd you think? You bet. Nice to see the uh, the floodgates kind of finally open up for the Oilers there. Um, honestly, I thought they played probably a better game on Saturday night. Uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't finish, and, uh, you know, Woodcroft looks like a bit of a genius, shuffling mm-hmm. the lines up a little bit, and everybody starts burying, but uh, you got to give a lot of credit to Campbell, too. I mean, I think they gave up 40 shots, so. Yeah, 42 he, saves, yeah. Yeah, he was real strong as well. So, it's funny that you say that. I mean, we were talking with, uh, well, both Speck and, and Craig Button, and I said, well, you know, Nashville didn't have a very good game last night, obviously, and UC Saros didn't have a, a very good game, gets pulled. Um, the exact opposite kind of thing when you look at shots, um, shot attempts, chances generated on Saturday, this was flip-flopped the other way a little bit in the sense of um, shots on goal for the opposition, but isn't it funny when your goalie makes a couple saves and it, and you get that confidence and all of a sudden you're not battling, you're not trying to chase the game. And that's kind of what happened last night. Uh, just your thoughts on that. Yeah, 100%. I think uh, huge Campbell kind of kept them in early. They gave up uh, a few grade A chances, especially in the first period there. Um, even Saturday, I think it's, it's tough to blame Skinner. I know 16 shots, but two tip-ins and... I mean, maybe maybe he was a little off his angle on the third goal there, on the mm-hmm. kind of the partial break coming in wide, but hard to blame him on on the first two goals. I mean, one was definitely a missed box out in front, the guy standing right behind the D, and I thought Vancouver did a good job on Saturday of, of doing those little things, mm-hmm. those little details, boxing out, eliminating second chances, so made it tough on the Oilers, and uh you know, last night Campbell was great. Made a lot of saves on some great A opportunities, and you know, when the Oilers got their chances, they they finally started to bury him. Text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Kevin Carius, David Schlemko, Sports fourteen forty um, from West. Surprised we are not talking about the McDavid goal. I swore. Rarely do I swear, Wes. Uh, well, we did talk about it off the top of the show for sure for a few minutes and then when Schlemmer came in we both kind of talked about it as well so I'll just leave you the floor here and talk about the McDavid goal and what you thought of the fourth goal of the game last night um, I would say a mixture of athletic ability and luck <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he kind of lost the puck and gets spun around and it just ends up right back on his tape. I think the the D overskates the puck there, which which gives him a breakaway. But Alexander Carrier was the defenseman. Went yeah. skated past it twice, almost like with once with his stick, once with his skates. Right. So, I mean, a little bit of luck there, but obviously, pretty impressive. Yeah. That he can you know stick with it, stand up, get the full speed, couple handles, and snap it post and in. So. Mm-hmm. But if Carrier makes the play, which he should, nine times out of ten? He's just on the back check. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, We were also talking about, Schlemmer, the uh, can opener save 
that Jack Campbell made, uh, not can opener, that's what one of the uh, uh, texters is just calling it. He calls it the can opener. Uh, I don't know why Which? that gets confused. The, the scorpion save. Oh, so the scorpion yeah. save. So at the start of the show, okay, let's just, well, I'm not going to be indifferent, Craig Button. So I don't like the scorpion terminology of the save. So I said, well, can can our listeners text in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty another terminology okay. for the scorpion save? So Chad calls, and again with Jack Campbell making it, he called it the soup ladle. <laughs> I I thought it was an ingenious terminology. Um, does that work for one any, any other? No, does? <laughs> but we don't care as long we just care about Jack Campbell, correct? There um, you go. I mean, the can opener, for that, my knowledge... That, that's is, just the stick with the hook, right? That, that's when you put your stick between a guy's legs and try to push him over so he trips yeah. over your stick. Yeah, so we can't kind of confuse those a little two. Bit. We, yeah. <laughs> There's some guys that are very good at that at, at certain hockey games. Yeah, know. well, it didn't yeah. used to get called quite as much. <laughs> it's an art. Yeah. It is an art. You have to be good at it, for sure. Um, anyway... Uh, that was a turning point in the game because it was 4-1 at that point. Uh, Gus Nyquist came in and made a really strong move to the net. Cody Ceci was forced to, to take a penalty. Yep. And Nyquist came in and uh, kind of delayed and, and uh, Campbell had to make the scorpion or the soup ladle save. So um, your, your thoughts on Jack's play last night because that was a turning point in the game for sure. Yeah, I thought he was excellent. Um, Nyquist got that puck up too. So if he doesn't get that pad up, mm-hmm. that's a goal. And they were pushing hard once they made it 4-1 too. So huge save, a huge PK there. And uh, once they made it 5-1, they kind of had the game under control. But uh, no, huge props to Jack. I thought he was excellent last night. So pose the question to you. Who starts tomorrow in Philadelphia? Well, I was listening on my way in, Kev. So Mm -hmm. um, I heard that Speck said the plan was to go 1-1-1-1 the first four games. I'm I'm okay with that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're eventually you're going to ride the hot hand, maybe leading up into the playoffs, trade deadline, something like that. But um, if this was the communicated plan to the goalies, I think maybe break a little bit of trust. Yeah, really early on in the season there, and you don't want guys to start thinking on the opposite side too. Like, well, maybe if I don't have my best game, I'm for sure going to be out of the net next one right yeah again your uh, phrasing there is bang on so if this were the plan that was communicated your word to the goaltenders at the start of the season saying this is what we're going to do and it's funny how it goes that you end up having to pull the goalie you know four goals in in game number one because you didn't want to see that because now you're but you still have to say this is my plan and this was the team's plan Uh, this is what you've told the goalies so when you go into that communication factor, um, then I think everything's fine. I, you know, even you, you look at last night, I think there were a lot of texts and a lot of people saying that it was a non-issue. Jack Campbell starts in Philadelphia. Yeah. But if this is a set plan, then it's the right plan. I think so. I mean, you're, you're in game four of 82 here. Big picture, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to have both guys feeling comfortable and good about their games and, you know, feeling like they got that shot, at least at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no problem riding the hot hand if someone establishes himself as that number one guy, but I think yeah. it's going to take more than one game to do that. 
David Schlemko is our co-host on Wednesdays, 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. Jeff comes in on our text line, 1-833-401-1440. The windshield wiper for the save. The windshield wiper. It's yeah. not bad. That's not, I like I mean, that. Like the scorpion. I mean, someone came up with that. I mean, I don't know who came up with it years ago. It makes sense, like with the... The tail, tail up. coming up. I yeah. mean, uh, I think probably some of the... Dominic Hasek was mentioned here, the reverse Dominic Hasek. Not oh, sure. Yeah. He did all sorts of wild he stuff. He was like Gumby in there, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He was fun to watch. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, when he came up, I, I like everyone said he was not going to last one second. And then Mike Keenan pulled them about every second game, it seemed. Yeah. I mean, how did he, you know, keep his confidence? Unorthodox, eh? He oh. just did it his way. He always did like the behind the back glove save. Mm-hmm. When you get beat on the deke to his blocker side. That's that the epitome, awesome yeah, <laughs> epitome of never giving up on a puck. Right, exactly. You know? And I guess, you know, he was wiry. I don't know how big he was. But, I think he's you know. a pretty big guy, too. Yeah. But yeah, he we'll did it his own way. Dude, he had his can, own you, style. Can, you, can you check out the Dominator's physical attributes, this stature? <laughs> I think he's like, what, six feet? Six. I don't know. You think he was bigger? I thought he was kind of tall, but... 180, I don't know. probably. All the goalies are tall now, so yeah. maybe he was just compared to the other ones back in the day. I, he, he was so good on the interviews because he had that kind of latka, you know, from Taxi, kind of the way he talked and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if anyone remembers latka, but I don't. Um. Hashik was a string bean. I don't think he was even 170 pounds from B. <laughs> Duke, is he, is he one seven, six foot 170? According to NHL.com, uh, Hashik's listing 6'1", 166 pounds. Okay. Well, he was pretty bang on there. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I said I, six I, feet. I think uh, we yeah. all know that uh, the NHL's official um, <laughs> listings for weight and height can be on the generous side sometimes. Remember, it can be. Yeah, yeah. what were you listening? Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau, uh, yeah. Jack Hughes's weight total. I don't think those are probably too too accurate in a real sense. But let me punch up Schlemmer here. Six two two ten. <laughs> I don't think I was ever listed as that. Oh man, I played about one ninety five. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding you. Um, you know, uh, when we're talking about Hashik and like how goalies used to. Um, you know, do anything. They were wild in the crease and, and guys like that. Did you ever hear the story with Eddie Belfour? Um, and this is before all the goaltenders came in uh, with their the guys that were in charge to go from team to team. Did you have those guys check on their equipment and did they come into the room? Do you remember those guys that came from the NHL? Uh, oh, ever, oh, yeah, just to just, check like the measurements and yeah, stuff. Yeah, measurements yeah. of pads and then they would check the cheater on the glove and, yeah, for and sure. things like that. Um, Eddie Belfour used to tie a skate lace to his belt loop on his side and then run it underneath his jersey and tie it to his wrist. Really? Yeah. So when he would make a glove save, it would create kind of a web under his jersey. So like like this would oh, be. Oh yeah. So if the puck ever hit underneath his arm, like a flying squirrel type. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> a web like a flying squirrel. Yes. Ah, interesting. What do you think? Well, th- like I know J.S. Shiger was very well known for setting up like his chest protector with his pants in a certain way that when he'd go down into his butterfly, it would raise his shoulder pads mm-hmm. like another three inches uh, up on top of his shoulders the way he'd saddle them in there. So goalies are clever, and they got to be. It's getting harder and harder for him. so. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> People want to see goals, though. Yeah. 
And, and it's odd that you would uh, bring up uh, J.S. Jaguar. Uh, the Duke is the big uh, Ducks fan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why? Mm. My big Mighty Ducks guy. Mighty Ducks, exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, when we come back, uh, we are going to check in with uh, Jordan Hall, NBC Sports Philadelphia, and talk a little bit about the game tomorrow with uh, David Schlemko, plus the Phillies. I mean, I mean, they're just steamrolling everything right now. Feeling uh, it. Yeah. What do you think of that, Phillies? The atmosphere is crazy. It looks unreal, oh, honestly. We had Frank, really Cer- Frank Cervalli on again. Uh, we had him on yesterday. He was at the game on Monday. Uh, so that's two Phillies games he's gone to and one Eagles game. Good time to be a <sighs> Philly sports wow, fan, hey? I mean, Frank, I, I don't know where he finds the time for all this stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> he's like the Duke. Man. Um, so when we come back after the break, uh, Jordan Hall, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Carriers, Schlemko, Sports 1440, right after the break. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the Road Ready Sales event, you can save up to 25% on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until October 21st. You can book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions apply. Kevin Carries along with David Schlemko, and we welcome in Jordan Hall from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Morning, Jordan. Uh, how are you in the city that is just going bananas right now for the Phillies. What's it like there? I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, it's been fun. Last night was pretty chaotic in Philly. There was uh, the Phillies, of course, won game two of the NLCS. The Flyers had their home opener across the street. And then at Lincoln Financial Field, where the Eagles play, there was a Mexico-Germany soccer game. So the stadium complex was what you said, bananas. Uh, But it's fun. It's fun to see... um, so much going on in the city. Uh, when when sports are kind of riding high here, uh, there's no place like it. How is parking? <laughs> <laughs> so I <laughs> so I got down to the arena at like one o'clock for a six o'clock game. I gave myself plenty of time, uh, but it was it was insane getting out of here. The Flyers even moved their home opener up an hour. They moved it up an hour to I think accommodate many folks mm-hmm. uh, and try to maybe kind of scatter it a little bit but uh it was crazy down here no doubt so you get down there five hours before the game what are you doing for five hours uh, as far as prep work goes yeah honestly just getting ahead as much <laughs> as i can <laughs> um prepping my stories uh thankfully there was some pregame media availability uh with sean couturier mm-hmm. so that uh that definitely killed some time and uh had us busy but um but uh, I was definitely just getting settled in and <laughs> wasn't going to risk it. Jordan Hall, NBC Sports Philadelphia, is with Karius and Schlemko on uh, Sports 1440. Well, how cool was it to see uh, Sean Couturier score that goal last night, his first goal in about almost two years, a beautiful snipe on the penalty shot. That must have got the joint jumping. It did. Uh, the fans really hold Sean Couturier in high regard. He's obviously been a long-tenure flyer, a guy that's won a selkie, uh, kind of embodies the way the, the city the city is, uh, and just in you know 200 foot play, all effort. Uh, so that was that had the, probably the loudest moment of the game uh, in the home opener, and it, it felt really good. I think for Sean Couturier, uh, first home opener in two years, two back surgeries, uh, he has grinded and grinded and grinded. So that was a rewarding goal and an impressive goal. I mean, it, it looked like he. Uh, have been playing every single day for a while. Uh, really, he's only three games in in his return. So uh, a rewarding goal, and I think um, it definitely had some flashbacks for fans. 
Yeah, it's a great feel-good story there. Love to see a guy coming back after a couple of years like that. Um, just maybe a little broader view of the Flyers right now. Uh, got torts in there, and that's obviously going to be a bit of a culture shift. Can you kind of just speak to maybe how different things are this year? Yeah, so year one under Tortorella, they were very hell-bent on building the foundation and changing the standard of play, like being tough to play against focusing on details, uh, being defensive-minded. And this year, they're, they're trying to open things up for more um, playmaking offensively, uh, some, some more creative playmaking. Uh, they think that's the next step in their process. Now that they understand how they want to play under John Tortorella, they're, they're looking to allow some of their skilled players to, to be more free, um, to kind of loosen up the reins a little bit and see where the offense goes because – over the last two years, their power play has been last in the league, uh, and they just haven't scored goals uh, over the last three years now. So th- that's the next step in the process. Um, Tor- Tortorella really wants them to play um, with, with some risk in their game. Uh, they, they don't want to be afraid to make mistakes, and I think that's a process because, as we all know, Tortorella is an abandoned coach, uh, and if he doesn't like the way you're playing, he's going to sit you. Uh, but at the same time, he wants you to – play freely and, and and try to kind of play with risk in your game. So uh, I think it's a feeling out process, but right now they, they know how they want to play under Tortorella, and now they're trying to get more offense. Jordan Hall from NBC Sports Philadelphia is our guest. Kerry Schlemko, Sports 1440. Uh, Carter Hart, 25 saves last night as the uh, Flyers uh, won their home opener over Vancouver. Uh, just to give us an assessment of what you've seen from the local product from Sherwood Park here, uh, Carter Hart. Yeah, he's been good. Uh, they lost uh, their game, their second game of the season in Ottawa. They just didn't play well in front of him. He really didn't have much of a chance, but he was very good last night. And the Flyers helped them a ton. They outshot Vancouver in the second period, 22-3. to So Hart was not busy whatsoever in the middle frame of that game. Uh, and he played with the lead for almost the entire night. So I think when they give him a lead and, uh, and, and they help him, uh, he's very good. Uh, he's been used to seeing a ton of shots over the last two to three years here. Uh, when, they, when they limit the opponent's shots and they're playing more offensively, uh, he's going to He's going to flirt with a shutout uh, more nights uh, than not. So uh, he's been good, and he's the backbone of their team. Uh, when he's playing well, he, he gives them a chance to beat anyone. When he's not, uh, they very much look like a rebuilding team. So looking ahead uh, to the Oilers there, Jordan, um, what's the plan against uh, the superstars like McDavid and Dreisaitl? Is there a shutdown D pairing that we're going to see play every shift, or is it going to be kind of a more-by-committee shutdown attempt of those two? It's a great question, and it's funny you mentioned committee. I think it will be somewhat by committee. Tortorella had spoken in the past about the Oilers and said if you focus too much on McDavid or, or their top two guys, then their other guys beat you. So I think it will be more by committee. But, but up front, I think they're really going to allow Noah Case and Sean Couturier to try to play against them as much as possible. Noah Case is very much like Sean Couturier. He's extremely defensive-minded, very sound center. Uh, and, and actually fared pretty well against McDavid last season. So up front, I think it'll be McDavid and Couturier again, the bulk of the, uh, the, the matchups. And then defensively, I think it'll be a lot of Cam York and Travis Sanheim, their top pair D. Uh, they can really move their legs. Uh, they play with the puck on their stick a lot. So I think they're hoping if those two can 
push the puck up ice. It'll maybe make McDavid and company play a little more defense. So those, I think, will be the matchups the Flyers are going to hone in on. We've got Jordan Hall, NBC Sports Philadelphia on Sports 1440 here in Edmonton. Cam York, uh, what have you seen so far from this uh, young defenseman? um, You know, uh, just a bright future ahead of him. But what's he been like so far this season, just a couple of games in? He had a really nice goal uh, in their second game. Uh, He looked really good. Um, And then... Uh, he, he is just a very skilled puck mover, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Like, there's times where you don't recognize him, which you think, huh, that's kind of funny. He's a, he's a skilled puck-moving defenseman. I should notice him more. But that's just – that's how sound he is defensively. Um, so when he's – you know, when the puck's not in their zone and he's getting it up ice, uh, you might not recognize him a ton unless he's racking up assists. But uh, he, he's been very good. I think the pair with him and Travis Sanheim, the Flyers weren't sure how that was going to look. Uh, so far, so good for them. Uh, it's two guys that like to play offense, like to have the puck on their stick and move it up ice. But York's been very good, and the Flyers are high on his future. I think they believe he's going to be a staple for their back end, uh, and they've needed that. Uh, they've needed long-term stability defensively. They had not had it probably over the last 10 years, and they're hoping York's going to be here for a long, long time. And so far, so good for him. Uh, it's his first year really getting kind of 20-plus minutes a night. Uh, and he's handled it well. Uh, what kind of imprint has uh, GM Daniel Breer made so far? Uh, kind of stockpiled a, a couple of first-rounders uh, moving forward uh, and uh, second-rounders as well. But uh, what kind of job has, has Daniel Breer done in his short time as GM in Philly? He's really spe- spearheaded this kind of rebuilding mo- movement for the Flyers. He, he embraced it from day one that he was okay with rebuilding, and the Flyers now from – Ownership to, ma- to uh, management, they are all on board with the mindset of rebuilding. And Briere really put it into motion this offseason. He, he traded Kevin Hayes. He traded Ivan Provrov. Hayes was their highest-paid forward that played last season. Provrov, their highest-paid D-man that played last season. He also bought out Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and then a lot of it was all about acquiring draft picks and, and kind of clearing caps. So he's very much put the organization into a re- rebuilding mindset. But he's also making sure they don't steer away from being competitive and wanting to win. Uh, the Flyers are trying to win back many fans, and they want to make sure that guys are going out there to play hard and they try to win. Uh, that, that's what fans, I think, are going to appreciate here. Uh, he's, he's made it very clear there's no tanking in Philadelphia for the Flyers. So it's a little bit of uh, focusing on the future but not losing sight of the present. Uh, it's going to be a fine balance all season, but I think Briere so far has done a good job finding that balance uh mm-hmm. but i think when the games you know start picking up and decisions start get start getting harder uh that's where we're going to really see uh how briero does yeah that's kind of my next question is how how patient do you think briero is going to be in this rebuild is it five years we want to be in the playoffs or is it you know we want to still compete we want to be in the playoffs we're not going to sell away everything and stockpile draft picks or there seems to be uh, around the league now, you know, s- just some teams kind of just tear everything down and some call it a rebuild, and it's kind of like a hybrid rebuild, I guess, so to speak. Where do you think uh, Briere sits kind of on that curve? I think it's more of a hybrid rebuild because when Briere first took over, even when he was the interim GM last March, he mentioned he didn't think this was a fire sale. He just didn't think it needed to be teared down to the studs. And I think he's still going to hold true to that. I think he believes in that. 
Knicks. They do have some young players in-house that they like. A lot of guys that are like 23, 24. Uh, their best player, Travis Konechny, is 25, and he'll be turning 26 at some point this season. So you have a lot of guys that aren't, you know, like late in their, you know, careers. Um, so some guys that I think have more upside, uh, but at the same time, they're going to continue to try to get younger uh, and I think sell, sell off assets when they can. Uh, but if they're in it and they're competitive this season, maybe it'll make up uh, for some tough decisions for Breer at the trade deadline. But I would expect them to still be selling at the deadline and then in the summer doing more moves again to kind of supplement the rebuild, to get more picks uh, and try to push it forward. But I think in-house they believe mm-hmm. they can be competitive maybe in two or three years. Yeah, uh, right. But if they take a step back, maybe it could, maybe it could be more to four to five range. Yeah, you, you know, the, the the pieces, the core pieces that you're mentioning as we're speaking with Jordan Hall from NBC Sports uh, Philadelphia, uh, one guy that a lot of people talk about is, is Joel Therby. Where do you see him in the mix here? Because he did sign, uh, you know, a, a long-term deal at $5 million per. Um, is he one of those key cogs moving forward? I think he is. Uh, he was drafted by assistant GM uh no, I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm sorry. He was actually directed by Ron Hextall and company. Mm-hmm. So he was the previous regime. But they've held him in high regard. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, the previous gem, signed him to that deal because they really believed in him. He had a breakout season as just a uh, 21-year-old. And I think they view him as a key part of the future. And Briere actually praised him the other day for his leadership qualities. He's only 23, but this summer mm-hmm. he had three to four prospects live with him in Philadelphia so they could work out at the facility. So they really commended Therabee for kind of taking a leadership role at just 23 years old. So he's an all-situation type of player, I think, that's going to, you know, in the future play power play, kill penalties. And I think he's going to score goals. I think they they believe he has a 30-goal season upside for him. Uh, So I think he's a big part of the future uh, and a guy that's going to kind of spearhead their youth movement moving forward. What about uh, Frost? What's the deal with him right now going on? <laughs> it's frosty. <Yeah. laughs> He's frosty, man. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I think at, at times uh, he kind of feels the brunt of uh, John Tortorella. Uh, I just don't think he's won over the head coach yet, and you, it's a bit surprising that he hasn't. I mean, he led the team in even strength scoring last year. Uh, he led them in scoring period from January 1st on. He really turned it on when the organization was asking for young players to step up and show them something. But I think his style of play doesn't always mesh with John Tortorella. He's very much a top six offensive upside, kind of flashy offensive playmaker. And right. sometimes Tortorella likes the 200-foot qualities, uh, you know, the guys that are going to check hard. And I'm not saying Morgan Frost doesn't play that way or can't, uh, but I just think their styles haven't meshed yet. And the other night, John Tortorella just said players have played better. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little unfair. I don't think he's really given Frost quite the leash uh, two games into the season, and he was healthy scratch for the home opener. Right. Uh, but that's that's the position Frost is in, and he's going to have to consistently win over Tortorella. That's just how it is uh, for, for Morgan Frost and Tortorella. It's, it's very much an everyday working on the relationship type of thing. But I think uh, Briere and company like Morgan Frost. Briere was a smaller playmaker in his playing days. And Frost is very much a kind of Briere kind of player. So I think they're going to have to work on that every single day here. 
Hey, Jordan and, and Schlemmer kind of touched on it off the top when, you know, asking you about um, how the Flyers uh, defend the likes of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But uh, from an overall standpoint, is there a, a buzz in the city with two of the best players or two the, the two best players in the world going to play there tonight? I think the game's on ESPN Plus in the United States. So... Can you feel a bit of a buzz with these two players coming and, you know, some other star players on the Oilers team coming to Philadelphia tonight? Or is kind of everything being overshadowed by what the Phillies are doing? Yeah, it's, it's a great question because I do think it's being totally overshadowed. I, I do think in years past, the diehard hockey fans, you know, the parents with kids that want to watch kind of the superstars come to Philadelphia, they circle this game. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl only come to Philadelphia once. But I just think the Flyers have been very unlucky. Their home opener was on Game 2 of the NLCS. That's and tough. on Thursday night, the Game 3 of the NLCS will be at 5 o'clock um, in Arizona. So yeah. I honestly think, unfortunately, the Flyers are going to fight it. They fought it last night with their fans a bit. Uh, the, the arena had some pockets of empty seats. And I think Thursday, unfortunately, even with the likes of McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're going to have pockets of empty seats because uh, right now the Phillies are just running away with it. Um, but in years past, absolutely. I think there's always been a buzz when McDavid and, and Drysaddle come uh, because I know for myself, uh, I've never seen a player like McDavid in person, mm-hmm. and it, it, he stands out. He's head and shoulders above everyone else that I've seen. Uh, but I think, unfortunately, uh, the Phillies are going to kind of overshadow his visit. Did you see the goal he scored last night? I did not. Was it highlight reel worthy, I'm sure? Well, I mean, Alexander Carrier of the Predators helped him out a little bit, but once you see it, you're going to go, you know, it's another McDavid kind of goal, so you're going to enjoy it. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. It, just whenever I see him play, like here, mm-hmm. like he's just, I, I, it, it's tough to explain. It's, just, it's, it's why I voted for him so many times for the Hart Trophy mm-hmm. is because the eye test for me just tells me he's the best player in the world and he's the most important player to his team. Scary. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're spoiled. Scary for a demon. Yeah. Well, Schlemmer was a demon in the NHL for over 400 games. I, what do you think would have happened if he would have come down on you, Schlemmer? McDavid? Yeah. Oh, I've, I've had it happen. He's <laughs> dashed me up a few times. Oh, okay. Well, what happened? Let's hear it. I don't, I don't recall anything like Alexander Carrier. Oh, no, not that bad. Um, I remember in Montreal, we came to Edmonton. It was, I yeah. just came back from blowing my knee out I think it was my second game of the year in December and playing at home in front of everybody and matched up against McDavid and Dreisaitl all game I think I finished like minus three and it was a tough one well you better get Schlemmer out there uh Jordan because he needs he needs a little just some consoling here I can just see him slunching down in his seat after this conversation when, when I see McDavid go up against the Flyers D on Thursday night, if there's any moments, I'll be thinking of, uh, of Slemmer for sure, just knowing that uh, it's not a fun fun position to be in. Uh, hey, thanks for your time today, Jordan. Appreciate it. We've had you on a few times now. appreciate your insight, and uh, thanks for doing this. Enjoy tomorrow's game, and I guess you can probably, well, the traffic won't be as bad. Parking won't be as bad. You'll get down there a little earlier to the game. You can watch uh, game number three of the NLCS. Yeah, it's, it, I'm very happy there in Arizona, so that'll be nice. And uh, it's been a blast coming on with you guys. Uh, happy to do it, and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. All right. Uh, thanks, Jordan. That's uh, Jordan Hall from NBC Sports Philadelphia. And our puck report, it doesn't matter if there's snow on the ground yet. It is the temperature change. 
that matters more as a signal to change your tires at Fountain Tire. Did you change your tires yet, Schlemmer? I got the call, but I haven't Ooh. made the appointment yet. Wow, come on, man. It's a know, critical like a f- part. Free tire storage if I get them in before the snow falls. <laughs> Duke, yeah, or Duke you, you said you were going all season, didn't you, Duke? Yeah, that's usually what I run on the pickup, but I'm I'm due for a new set of tires in general. I've uh, rolled over whatever about seventy thousand clicks on these ones already, so they're uh, they're gonna need replaced before winter time comes a knock in here in the not so distant future. You drive a lot though, like less so now, but even even like yeah, the weekends if I'm buzzing back to the farm, you know, yeah. tacking on it. Are you in the new place cool, now? Close a cool to five hundred k. You're not in four, you're, Are you in the new place yet? I'm or? about fifty fifty split. I sleep oh. at the new place, oh, but okay. I finally got the internet set up last night, so that'll be a big. A big addition was able to to watch the Oilers game, but I haven't mm-hmm. got the new TV in there yet, so I was just watching it on my laptop instead. The Duke's a West Ender now, Schlemmer. Oh yeah, he's not out in Fort Saski anymore. The forty minute drive every morning That's a nice was taking com- its toll on me. Oh man, yeah. nice commute now. Hey? Oh yeah, just five minutes across the Henday, and I'm here, I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed. Well, how close are you to Cook County tonight, then? Thankfully, close, you know, far enough away that I will not be going. <laughs> well, where, so where's your where are your haunts on the on the West End yeah. now then? I don't even know. Uh, well, the Lewis Estates Canadian Brew House, oh, uh, okay. just down the street. Yeah. Tri- I've been there once for Thursday Night Football already, and uh, great the rooftop patio, I'm already looking forward to next summer. Well, here, I was talking two-stepping and all that. Like, back in the day, Cowboys I'm too, was humming. I'm too old for that now, yeah. Kevin. Uh, I'll save dude. that for my weddings during the summertime, spinning some birds around. Schlemmer and I have <laughs> many words of wisdom and advice for you for, <laughs> for what's going to happen to you in the West End of town. Um when we come back, uh, we'll have a little open uh, texting. Uh, plus, uh, we will elevate your game for Ram Lifts. We'll touch on that with uh, David Schlemko, our co-host, 911 on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carius, David Schlemko, Sports 1440. Text coming in to one 401 1440 Um... We just had uh, Jordan Hall on from NBC Sports Philadelphia. Egan has a question just about Travis Konechny. We did kind of chat about them. Uh, we didn't direct a question at him, but um, Jordan did uh, mention uh, and talked about Konechny being, you know, one of the key parts of the uh, Flyers moving forward. He's uh, obviously a key part, and we'll see him tomorrow. Um, imitation Tom is giving the Duke some help. Uh, if you're a one-tire guy, I highly suggest all-weather tires over all season. They are more like winter tire that performs in the summer. There you go, Duke. That sounds like good advice, and uh, I'll head over to Fountain Tire and make sure I, I get their insight as well and find my find myself the best, best bang for my buck. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I got to mention this. This comes from Big G. Uh, hey, KK, I met you at a house party about 30-some-odd years ago. You were looking for something. I thought you were a cop. Then you told me you got a job at ITV. <laughs> you said I had a face for the weather. <laughs> well, it was a night I'll never forget. Were you there? Uh, <laughs> Anyway, thanks for the text. Keep them coming in. one 401 uh, Time now to Elevate Your Game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Um, Forbes, best rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit uh, TrustRam.com for more information. And uh, one of the elevators that the Ram did in town, certain number 97 at his house. Connor McDavid's place has a Ram elevator and lift in it, so... Um, Probably a sharp elevator, I would imagine. Must be nice, eh? Yeah, well, <laughs> Got to have an elevator, for sure. Um, so we touched about uh, touched uh, uh, on it off the top with uh, just how Leon Dreisaitl has elevated his game against the Nashville Predators. 
you can't argue with the stats. After the game, Leon didn't really want to talk about it. He says we talk about it every time, but that's just what happens when you have scored 22 goals in the last 12 games against the Predators. Uh, the Predators as a team have scored 28 goals <laughs> in those 12 games. So, David Schlemko, if you were a Nashville Predator, um, and I mean, even, you know what, Tyson Berry made fun of it yesterday and said, well, he's obviously not going to get that many goals or points to, you know, tonight because I was the one that was passing him all the pucks in the last little bit. So Tyson well, Berry made... Bit him. Yeah, <laughs> didn't, didn't work out so well. Only two goals, two assists last night. Um, so when you have a guy like that, say, so you're a defenseman on Nashville last night. You're Alex Carrier. And you're going, Leon Dreisaitl has, going into last night, all these points, all these goals. What are you thinking? What's your mentality into the game and moving forward? Well, as a D, I think you're you're just trying to do the same things you're always doing. You're trying to shut them down. I would say more of the mindset on the other side of it for a guy like Leon is players are superstitious, whether they like to admit it or mm-hmm. not, right? And you do you get a good feel from playing in certain buildings. You know, once you have some success against a certain team, your confidence really rises i mean i there's certain barns that i like to play in mm-hmm. um i love playing in san jose i love playing in calgary love playing in chicago i don't know if it was just the atmosphere or you know you you have a couple of good games there you get the confidence going and for whatever reason it it just starts rolling that way imitation tom texts in and he touched on this earlier a little different take but and do you agree with this it makes so much sense that uh, Leon dominates the Preds. He wants to slow the game down. So do the Preds. Uh, they play his game style, and he's better. Agree? Disagree? <laughs> yeah. I or is it that simple? I don't know. I don't know if Nashville really plays that slow of a game, okay. in my opinion. But, um, yeah, he does play a big man's game, right? He protects it well. And, and we have seen Leon, you know, maybe when he protects the puck – try to slow the game down a little bit, you know, when he's, you know, in the corner and, you know, he's got his uh, rear end up against a defender and he's kind of maybe bringing the check into him to kind of suck a little more of the defensive coverage into him to maybe open up a player. Right, he's great at that. And another thing, I think Nashville's decor is not the biggest, strongest Mm -hmm. decor. They're more of a puck-moving kind of skating decor so that that matches up well for Leon I guess as well it's hard to knock him off the puck down low is he um, one of the toughest guys you've ever seen I mean Yarmer Yager would be right up there yeah honestly you kind of try and play him the same way you know they're just guys like that are just waiting for you to kind of come in too hot and they'll just spin off you and kind of make you look silly so you gotta almost give him a stick length a gap and and just keep him to the outside. And like you said, he does a really good job of uh, drawing double coverage and finding that open man. Just having a look at the defense for Nashville. Okay, Tyson Berry, we know how big he is. 5'11", 197. Mm, that might be a little hot, but call him 195, eh? Sure. Is that okay? Roman Yossi, 6'1", 200. Ryan McDonough, 6'1", 215. Um... Dante Fabro, six feet, one eighty nine. Not not a big big defense, as you said. Yeah, not a huge decor. I mean, McDonough's a big steady, yeah, player. But um, yeah, other than that, 
So when you played Schlemmer, was there one player that you can that comes to mind that maybe uh, you said you had good games and you had a better vibe when you went into places like San Jose and things like that? Is there one player that you played with that maybe had someone's number or whatever that you can recall? Uh, yeah, definitely. Mike Smith, uh, when we were the Arizona Coyotes, had the Chicago Blackhawks number, big time. Um, I think we played him in playoffs in 2012 in the first round. Yep. Uh, it was the year after they won the Cup, and uh, we had no business winning that series. I think we won it in six games, but Smitty was... The sole reason, um, I think Andrew Shaw, even in game four or five, took a run at him behind the net, <laughs> got suspended. Pretty sure he tried to hurt him. I think yeah. he, was, he was okay, but uh, yeah, that was some of the best goaltending I'd ever seen, honestly. What was Mike Smith like as a teammate? Great guy. Uh, very intense. He's mm-hmm. a very competitive guy. I'm not afraid to speak up in the room, which is a little unorthodox for goalies mm-hmm. most of them are kind of quiet but uh not smitty no smitty is a leader on and off the ice and uh was big on keeping guys accountable and like i said the biggest thing is he just he really wanted to win you know you, you hang out with him mm-hmm. away from the rink totally different guy chill and just whatever but uh once he got to the rink he was all business how does a guy turn that switch on and off that's a good question. Um, I think it's different for every player. Um, lots of guys have sports psychologists now. Lots of guys have like the exact pregame routine that they go through for that two, two and a half, even mm-hmm. three hours for some guys when they get to the rink. You know, they're doing the same little thing at every time. So it's maybe it's like you don't even have to think about it, right? just becomes kind of natural that that switch just kind of comes on and you're preparing the same way every game and mm-hmm. kind of just getting into the zone. Um, do you remember, I guess, well, w- w- when the Oilers lost in the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, you, did you see his, his kind of, well, I guess it was almost career-ending news conference and media conference after the Oilers lost out? Um, you could see it in his eyes. He was just, you know, the devastation because you're close, but you're you're not close. I mean, you know. Yeah. The so, clock's ticking, right? Yeah. So, did you? Could you kind of, when you were watching that, what did you, what did you think? Well, you feel for him, right? Because mm-hmm. he's he's had an amazing career. Um, played a long time, especially for goalie. He played till thirty eight, thirty nine. Yeah, thirty nine, I think. Yeah. So, the other thing is, he's a hell of an athlete, mm-hmm. like just a natural athlete. I think he was hitting balls out of the park in Tampa Arizona Bay. and Tampa Bay I think when he when he was with the Lightning yeah. had a had a batting practice uh with the with the Rays and was just pumping them out of the park yeah I think he did the same thing in Arizona okay, okay. at the D-backs park there so um yeah he doesn't definitely doesn't have the uh, body of a goalie <laughs> yeah, your average goalie he, he was, was shredded he was shredded exactly um now 41 years old yeah born in 82 so I mean, wonderful career. Uh, best puck handling goaltender you ever played with? Yes. Yeah. I mean, him and Carey Price yeah. definitely won too. But uh, I mean, Price, he didn't, wasn't quite as high risk, didn't try quite as much as Smitty. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was fun going back on dumpings. You didn't really have to even <laughs> go back and get the puck. You just try and get open. Well, wasn't that like, I mean, that was the toughest thing for Oilers defenseman for the couple years that he was here because... Um, you know, basically with Miko Koskinen, right? It was the exact 
opposite. And right. I mean, it's just you can't compare the two. But it was hard. You know, the defenseman would be, you know, a little bit unsure of what to do with Miko. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is that fair no, assessment? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But with with Mike Smith, it was like, yeah, I don't want to get you know plastered up against the glass. Let it you know hammered out, right? Mm. So, and he loves it too. He loves playing it. Oh, not and, even hammering it out. Like he'll snap a tape to tape pass right yeah. up the middle to the center when he's standing behind the goal line. So and that he, takes some confidence. Yeah, too. for sure. And and he, um, I think he said he learned most of it from Marty Turco. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Uh, Turco's the one who taught him to hold his glove hand, his mm. bottom hand the other way, kind of over top of right, the, yeah. the shaft there. Well, I wonder who we're going to get on next week with Schlemmer. <laughs> 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 yeah, we could try to get a hold of Smitty. I think so. Uh, well, actually, during the broadcast last night, uh, it was Tyson Berry's wedding pictures. Yeah, I saw that. And Mike Smith was in there. We saw a couple... Shots of Smitty. Looked like the whole Oilers team was oh, in there. That was a big wedding, huh? Yeah, looked like it. Where, you never got the invite, though, did you? I don't know, Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, well, guys like uh, Leon Dreisettle, Mike Smith can definitely have and will and continue to elevate their, your game. Uh, brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. When we come back, we will check in with uh is personal trainer the wrong word um yeah more like strength and conditioning okay coach, but i mean I for you person your personal i would just call him my okay. trainer but okay. uh he was he did a big group of our our nhl guys from guys. around town here yeah. brad brad mcnamara and he's out in nova scotia right now you bet uh from athletes nation will guest with us uh, on the kevin carey show with uh david schlemko and also coming up at ten twenty, country singing superstar Aaron Goodwin will join us uh, in the Stingray Studios right here. And Matt, you know what? We had Cor Blund on yesterday. We've got Aaron Goodwin. We've had uh, um, Brett Kissel. This is right up your alley, Duke. I'm loving it. Man. I'm loving it. And you'll be at Cook County tonight. I said to Duke I'll be expecting the lineup at about 7.01 tomorrow. Um, so that's coming up at the top of the hour. Before that, here is the Duke with a sports update.